listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey everyone, it's our third annual Winter Holidays and Grief episode with my colleague, Rebecca Hobbs Lawrence. Last year, when we finished recording, we said, well, next year we can just re-release with a new introduction because really, there's not much more to say. Little did we know that a year later, we'd be nine months into a global pandemic that has changed pretty much, well, everything. So we thought, we better do an update. Rebecca and I talk about what we are hearing from kids, teens, and adults in our grief support groups about the winter holidays this year, and how they're adapting traditions in light of the pandemic. Rebecca is the Pathways Program Coordinator here at the Dougie Center, and she has two decades of experience supporting children and families both before and after a death. She's also 8 billion times more artistic than I am and has great ideas for ways to get creative, both in grief and around the winter holidays. It's important to note that not everyone celebrates the holidays that fall between December and January. And for those who do, the holidays mean very different things to different people. Even if you don't celebrate these holidays, it's hard to escape the advertisements and calls for family togetherness, which can be super painful if A, you can't gather with family or friends because of the pandemic, or B, you're grieving. For those of you who are newer to Grief Out Loud and missed our first two Winter Holidays and Grief episodes, you can go back and listen to them. They're episode 27 and 98. Okay, here's my interview with Rebecca. Rebecca, you're back. This is your like sixth appearance on Grief Out Loud, I think. I know, and I think we're making the holiday one its own tradition too. I was thinking that too. We're going to talk so much about holidays and traditions. And I was like, oh, we're making one because this is our third grief and the holidays podcast episode. So I'm really looking forward to talking with you again today. I am too. So over the last couple of years, we have talked about all kinds of stuff. We've talked about what families encounter as the holidays approach, what it's like to go through the holidays, whether it's the first holiday season since their person has died or the 10th holiday season. And we've talked about families who maybe traditionally celebrate holidays like Hanukkah and Christmas and Kwanzaa and New Year's and maybe families who don't, but they're now in the environment where everyone else is celebrating and what that can feel like. And this year... We've got something else coming along for the grief holiday train ride, which is the pandemic. So, you know, for those of you who have heard our first two holidays and grief episode, we'll be talking about some of the same general concepts, but we really wanted to kind of get into like, okay, what's going on with the pandemic? How is that changing holidays and the grief? How is it not changing holidays and the grief and grief? And what are some ways that families are getting innovative around just getting through the next month and a half, basically? Right. And it feels like almost anything's up for grabs this year with the pandemic. Yeah. So don't hold us to it, listeners. Like we're recording right. the first week of December. By next week, everything could be different. All the physical restrictions could be different. So give us a little bit of leeway with that because we can't predict what's going to happen in the next two to 27 days. Right. So 
We're going to spend some time talking about what we're hearing from families about what the pandemic is bringing up for them around the holidays. And and then we're going to share some ideas around activities that folks can do both in person and virtually to, to honor and remember their people, but also just to create or continue some traditions. So I was just wondering, Rebecca, like in we've been in pandemic virtual grief group world since March, it's December, and we just got through Thanksgiving for folks who celebrate Thanksgiving. We did Halloween, Hanukkah starting on December 10th. Just wondering, like, what are you starting to hear from families around the pandemic and holidays and grief? I'm, well, I'm hearing two different things. Like normal, kids and adults tend to have very different perspectives. And what I'm hearing in my kids' groups is that they are super excited. They are looking towards it as something normal, you know, that they they know to hold on to, to look forward to, to be excited about, because so many of them are struggling in school. And so this for them is you know, especially those, you know, little kids um, through elementary school, they are really looking forward to it. Now they're adults that I'm talking to tend to have a little bit different perspective, <laughs> right? Like a lot of them are already exhausted with the pandemic, feeling isolated. You know, they're having that extra pressure of their kids at home um, doing distance learning. And so a lot of them have shared that they're feeling that extra burden um, with the holidays coming and they're already tired. And now what? They don't have, hold that same uh, level of enthusiasm that their kids are having. Yeah, which we may have heard under other, you know, during other years too of, of a family heading into the holidays and maybe somebody died over the summer and you know, they're already exhausted from just the grief itself. And you may have kids who are still wanting like, ooh, there's something last time we did this, it was fun. And I had a lot of good memories with it. And I want to do all the same things again. And the adults are like, I just don't have the energy. But then you think about this year, for a lot of folks, it's probably pretty compounded, that exhaustion of heading into this time. Right. That just layered effect that they are, they're having. Like the grief was bad, you know, and they're feeling so different than others in this kind of grief world that they're in. And now they're in this grief pandemic world and, and grief is even taken on some new connotations for them and how they grieve and how they express it and how they remember. So um, I think there's a lot of questions for a lot of them this holiday season of like what they're going to do. I mean, we are early December and I think a lot of families that I've been talking to this last week still have no idea what they're going to do. There's no plans. Um, so hopefully this will help them today a little bit. You know, one thing I was thinking about, Rebecca, is this isn't true for every family, but for a lot of families, that first holiday season, many of them want to just go do something completely different. And a lot of times that involved going somewhere, taking a trip, uh, if they had the, you know, the means to do so. And I just think about those families right now where that's not, for many people, not an option. They can't right. pack up and go visit family in a different state, or they can't pack up and go to Hawaii and just do something radically different. So yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about that and just validating for people that that might feel really frustrating to not be able to, quote unquote, escape from what their day-to-day -day life is. What, you know, that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I actually thinking back, you know, my dad died when I was 11 that was in July and my mom packed us up and we went to Disneyland. 
um, that Christmas holiday. Wow, thinking back now, um, what that would have been like from my mom during a pandemic and not having that escape. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what she would have done, but I do feel like it would have impacted our time together because she was so unable to really be with us for quite a few months. And what that would have felt like for me as a child, being in a house confined with her during a pandemic. Where you can really feel someone's lack of capacity to be present, where maybe when you're on a trip and doing stuff makes maybe it feels a little bit more natural for someone to be distracted or not quite as engaged, or there's more things to engage you so you don't notice as much. Right. You know, I was distracted by Mickey Mouse. So I think about those families <laughs> that, you know, were going, yeah, go to Hawaii or even going and visiting relatives somewhere else that you have those additional, rel- you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, maybe that um, help carry that weight of grief a bit and help with those distractions, especially for a child. Um, so many families are not able to make those connections with family outside of their home this year and who helps carry that. And I think people really need to, might be helped to be creative this year around how do you make those connections and reach out when we can't physically be in the same room with them. And before we kind of get into some more of those details, I also want to talk about the part that a lot of people maybe, I don't know, I hear them in my groups, they talk about it, but they kind of whisper a little of like, here's what's actually better during the pandemic, you know, of like, yes. there's actually a little bit of an upside for me. And, and just wondering what you've heard from families around that. This has come, a, a many of them from my pathways groups, which are families living with an advanced serious illness. And, and a couple of my adults from my bereavement um, kiddos too, but that they are relieved. They are looking at this as an opportunity to not uh, have so much family drama around them. <laughs> you know, that um, is nice it is, is to see grandma, grandpa, or a cousin that often they come with their own expectations of what the holiday should look like too, and how people should interact with each other. And just those old family roles that people come back to gatherings with. So I have, a, I have a lot of adults actually who are quite relieved to not have to deal with that. And they have a lovely excuse of a pandemic this year. And they're looking at being able to carve out just some of that time with their immediate family and starting some new traditions that they may not have had the opportunity to do otherwise. And I think for me, what I've been hearing from folks in our bereavement groups for when someone has, after someone has died, is there can be a lot of nervousness and uncertainty when you're carrying grief, when you go into social situations. Like, how is this, how am I going to be? How is this going to affect me? Is something going to come up out of nowhere that catches me off guard? And then suddenly I'm sobbing in somebody's bathroom. That's not mine. (laughs) And how do I sneak out of this party without somebody seeing? Or are people going to be able to like, comfort me or, or help in some way. And so I've just been hearing a little of like, I don't even have to navigate that. Like if I'm going to have a really hard grief day, I'm just going to have it at home. And it doesn't matter because I don't have to like be around other people for that. Right. You don't have to be around other people. And I mean, just those kind of party situations, but I was thinking about a family where a mom was like going to the store and picking up those Christmas items that she would have at one time discussed with her husband, you know, like, this is what we're going to get 
Tommy, you know, and she's like, just going down the aisles anymore. She just like runs, she takes her cart, like even a grocery, just runs through the aisles with her cart, like trying to not see some of the items that make her think of her husband. She was so grateful to be like, oh, I have to do all online shopping this year. I don't have to talk to store clerks. I don't have to see the other things on the aisles. I don't have to do anything else. Like, you know, this kind of tunnel vision of just getting from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Yeah. And not have to risk, not that it's really a risk, but when you're out and about, I hear this from a lot of people, like when I see other people with their person, whether it's somebody whose mom died and they see somebody with their mom or someone whose partner died and they see people with their partners, it's like so ouchy sometimes to see that. And then this year we're like, well, the likelihood of me seeing that has gone down dramatically with not being out in the world as much. Right. And they don't have to have that kind of in their face moment over and over again. So I think there is a lot of relief in different ways. I I think it's not either or it's both, right? It's really, really hard. And there's also some relief and moments of like gratitude that you don't have to do some of those things this year. The other thing I've heard is that, and this, as you mentioned, can go both ways for people. So many people collectively talking about grief right now, whether it's the grief of having had someone die, the grief of someone being ill, the grief of not being able to see friends and family, the grief of not having your traditional holiday, whatever it is that you would normally do. And so there's a lot of people who are like, not happy about the holidays this year. And so I'm hearing from some people like, Ooh, finally, everybody's starting to get it like a little, right? Like everyone else is kind of cranky too. I don't feel so alone in my experience of dreading the holidays or feeling cranky about them. And so it's, yeah, it's just interesting. It's like, everyone's in the same swimming pool with me. And that kind of feels, I don't know, less lonely in some way. It does. Um, I've had a couple adults come to me and say, I feel like the rest of the world is catching up with me and how my grief is impacting my life. Like they are now having some grief too. It might be about really different things, but that feeling, I don't feel so alone in anymore. I feel like others might understand where I'm at a little bit more. In a strange way, it helps with their isolation, even if they're not with these people in person, just to feel understood um, has been really helpful for some people. And even, you know, I just thought about this, like having that reflected back to you in very unexpected places, even advertisements, you know, like when you're doing your online shopping or you're watching Hulu and you didn't pay for the account where you don't get commercials and things are coming through. And there's other people talking about like the holidays are different this year. This time of year feels hard. And I'm like, wow, that never would have happened before. You'd be maybe the one sitting home watching that. And everyone's like, oh, the holidays, I'm so excited. And you're like, I'm not, the holidays are hard. And like, oh, there's people saying what I'm thinking and how um, connecting that can feel in an unexpected way. That's so interesting that you say that because when you're saying that, I'm thinking about how for people who perhaps are not grieving intensely right now, their lives were kind of going you know, full steam ahead before the pandemic, that they don't want to be reminded of how different things are right now, right? Because they want everything back to normal. But if you're grieving, nothing is normal. And so to actually, like you said, have that reflected back to you in ways of like, no, this is not a normal time that we're living in. And of course, you're going to feel isolated and alone and maybe sad and frustrated, Because all of those feelings you have while you're grieving, you finally have people saying, yeah, 
that's right. Like you can have those feelings right now. And there is something very acknowledging about that, even if it's not specifically towards like your grief experience, just to know that in some way people are grieving and, and it is okay to have those feelings and expressions of your grief right now. So what, what do you think families should be thinking about or starting to think about or starting to do in preparation for carrying grief through the next month, month and a half of these winter holidays? You know, I think we've talked about this in our, our last couple episodes too, but really talking with your family, your immediate family, so that everybody knows where everybody else is in the family, what they're thinking, what they're wanting, what are those expectations that they're having this year? And it doesn't mean they all get met, but just having that clear communication, I think is a really good starting place. And knowing that those discussions themselves and the time up until, and we talk about even that day, those often are the hardest. The discussion might be hard. There are a lot of feelings with that. There's often a lot of anxiety um, around what it's going to look like. Um, And it tends to ease up once people have a kind of a plan in place. So just knowing that talking with your kids, you know, what is it that they want and finding out, is that something that can be accommodated in some way? Again, maybe thinking outside of the box this year, because in the past we've talked about, you know, if there's a neighbor or another family member who can help you do those things with your kids that they're wanting to do, and you're not able to do it as a parent that's grieving, um, you know, who are those support people? And maybe this year with a pandemic, what might that look like? So, you know, we have to be a little creative in how we reach out to people and and uh, make sure that everyone's needs are met as much as possible. Yeah, I think in one of our past episodes, we gave an example for for folks who celebrate Christmas and wanted to like the kids really wanted to put up Christmas lights and decorate the house. And the the parent was like, No, I just don't have that in me. I don't want to do that. And like reaching out to a family member or a neighbor who might say, Yeah, I'm happy to come over and do that. And the kids can help. And, and then this year, like, is there somebody who can still come do that? But would they, they'd be outside, maybe they would be masked. Can the kids just watch from the window, <laughs> you know, like right. having to get kind of creative about those things. And the other thing I think about is it, if a family does have other family members who live in other places or just not able to see them in person, like, is there a way to virtually connect, not just like have a video chat, right? Because kids are kind of well, maybe it's just me who's over <laughs> sitting down and having video <laughs> chats. Maybe the kids are fine with it, but like that can, that can feel hard. I've just heard from some families of, of getting pretty innovative of, I mean, I think back to, you know, holiday traditions that involve a lot of food and making food together and setting up time where maybe an aunt or a grandparent gets on a video call and they make something together. They cook something in separate kitchens have the same ingredients or, you know, a family member can teach somebody, teach a kid how to make maybe their person who died's favorite cookie recipe or a cake that they loved or some special dish. Uh, So there's ways to still do that and have it be more interactive and not just and stare at the screen and okay, now talk to grandma kind of feeling. Right. And I think that that sense around food, especially can be so important for our holiday gatherings. It's that extra sense of smell and taste that can really tie us to those memories that we have of people and um, circumstances that, you know, uh, can elevate our, our 
feelings of well-being and attachment to them. So cutting us off from that isn't very helpful at this holiday season when we're already cut off from so many other things, right? So how do we, yeah, incorporate that in a way that we can still be able to connect with those family members? And I love the idea, like you said, of being able to all cook together, um, even if it's different things, but virtually and just chatting and talking about what, you know, what you're doing. I also know another family who they've been cooking different foods and doing a distance um, drop off. So they make enough mashed potatoes for the four different households and enough, like they'll have like three different items to make and then they drop off their portion. And then at one point they all come together to eat their food together that they've all contributed to. Now they all live in the same town. So that works. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's like a um, updated version of these were popular maybe about five, 10 years ago of like progressive dinner where you would go to different houses for different courses. And now (laughs) we can't do that, but it's, so it's this updated version where like, okay, this household's going to make appetizers. This household's going to make the main course. This household's going to make the dessert. And then you figure out some way to distance, drop all those off. And then everybody ends up with all the courses. So that's, that's one option. You're right. So I think it is that piece of like being creative, thinking that it doesn't have to be a certain way. And again, I think just that communication piece of this is an idea I have, what do you think of it? It reminds me to what you were saying earlier of how important it is to start having the conversation now with all the people in your family. And and again, that important piece that you don't all have to be on the same page. What really matters is having that conversation so people can voice what their needs are so they at least feel heard, even if we can't do everything that everybody wants to do. And so I think about questions like, okay, what what traditions do you want? Do you all want to do? Which ones felt really special to you? What are some new traditions we might want to create? And then also remembering to ask, what are things you don't want to do? And giving kids permission to say, I really didn't like this part of our holiday tradition, or that part feels too painful this year. Maybe next year I don't want to do it this year. So always remembering to ask, like, what's the part you don't want to do <laughs> to give people that permission? Yes. And, and like you said, they don't all have to agree. And and there may not be a full consensus, but at least that way, and especially for kids, they do so much better when they know why something's not happening or why it is happening that may be different than what they want. And, and that's, yeah, you know, there are kids who've already shared with me that, you know, they're not seeing a certain family member because of the, of the pandemic and how sad they are, but they understand why, like there's a reasoning behind it. So even in your small family, that when they have different needs to understand why mom or dad may want or not want a certain thing, even if it's not what they want, it's easier for them or even for an parent to know for a child that what they're wanting, okay, I guess I can't accommodate that. Or no, that one's a little harder for me this year. It brings up too much pain. And a child understands and they understand. I must still be a child on some level because I really like to know the why too, when we can't do something or why we have to do something. <laughs> like any, if it feels arbitrary, I'm like, no, I'm not getting behind this. But if we can have a conversation of the thought process behind it, I'm like, okay, I don't like it, but I totally can get on board with it. Right. So. We all want to have a why in some way um, to help us understand. And I think that's really, you know, that's where that kind of mutual family respect comes into. And we can all respect each other's feelings and 
and desires about something, even if we can't meet them all, meet all those expectations. So Rebecca, what activities are you thinking about this year in terms of things that you've heard that families are doing, either new traditions or or altering traditions in some way to to kind of actively bring the memory of the person into their holiday experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the ones we've talked about before, and I think people are still continuing with that, is like having that gift box. Or I've also heard of people using a stocking to write messages to their person who has died and sticking them in the gift box or in the stocking for them to all read at a later time, um, whether it's at a meal or Christmas Day or if it's Hanukkah, you know, like some special time that they um, determine. And so I think that is still something that I've heard a couple families talk about um, that they're going to continue doing. It's something that's been very meaningful to them. I've also, I mean, just the thing around sitting around a table together and sharing a story about a person as simple as that is. Um, I've actually had a couple families say that they're going to continue with that tradition. It feels very connecting to them and it's something they've been doing and they can continue to do. And so the first, the first one is people write, write messages to the person and it goes Mm -hmm. in some kind of container and then they might sit down all together and read them at once, or they might take out one a night and read that. And again, kids could do that anonymously too, right? They could write a message without having to put their name on it. And then the other one is to, is more around sharing memories together. And one thing that I think about for that is, you know, in our groups, we do memorabilia time where kids and adults and teens can bring a photo or an item to the group to share about the person who died. And I was thinking, gosh, that might be a really good thing if, if families out there are having to do virtual gatherings, Zoom mm-hmm. video chats. Sometimes you know, like people get on the screen and nobody knows who to start or like it's kind of awkward. You don't know what to say. Everyone talks at the same time. And so as a family, you could invite people to bring a special photo or a piece of clothing or some other item that connects them to the person who died. And that's a way to do like a show and tell, um, but also building that story bank for kids and teens who maybe uh, don't know a lot of the same memories as the other people in their families. So that was one other idea I was thinking about. I love that idea of memorabilia and also what we've been doing in our groups too, that everybody that I've talked to in our group, they're always like, are we doing the candle lighting? It's a candle lighting, you know? And I think sometimes families when they've been together might do one, but the fact that you can actually do one virtually too. So that idea of memorabilia sharing, sharing memories and mementos um, that reminds you of your person that died. And you can also all light a candle um, or other bright object because the kids in my group love to light flashlights, pen lights. <laughs> um, sometimes they just bring their table lamp over, you know, it can be really creative. So, you know, I love that idea of just being able to and having fun with it too. I think it, sharing should be fun too. Um, not just the serious, like we're all going to stare at each other over Zoom and, you know, have this really deep moment, um, especially if you're a child, you know, that can, might be a little intense. So to really, you know, bring in some laughter and joy into that too. And, you know, with that memorabilia and candle lighting. Your kids are so creative and they sort of stay within the theme of actually having light. The folks <laughs> in my groups, teens and young adult groups, we have, uh, 
pen candles and we have plant candles and pillow candles and hand <laughs> candles. Like it's basically grab whatever's nearby to say, I, I hold up this pillow as my candle for my sister or I, my mom or my brother. I love that. They're actually more creative than the kids. I did have a kid actually just this other day who held up his finger and said, this is my candle today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, we're just innovating on top of innovating on top of innovating this year with the pandemic. So we've got the, the, the gift box, we've got virtual memorabilia sharing, we've got candle lightings people can do. Any other activities or um, rituals that come to mind? Well, and we talked about the food also. And one of the things that, you know, we want to talk about just even for, for this period, but also moving forward into a new year, because January can be so challenging too, like that after holiday piece, you know, we're all gearing up for the holidays, and then what happens and you know, we talked about the, that time together calendar and how do we carry this, this time that we're um, really being open and communicating and creating some plans around the holidays, but how can we carry that forward also into a new year as this pandemic continues and isolation continues and our dark days continue to continue that kind of bond and connectivity that we want with others? Yeah, so that might look like getting like an old fashioned paper calendar, or it might look like the chalkboard calendars people might have in their home, or even if you've got a shared family Google calendar, you know, however you do it, to actually mark out activities that adults and and kids in, in your family would do together. And that could be something simple like every Wednesday at 4 p.m. after school's over, we go for a walk to the dog park, or we have a special movie night once a month, just so that kids have something to look forward to and something to count on. And, you know, I think about in grief under regular circumstances, how important that routine and that predictability is because life is so uncertain and just unknown when, when someone in their life dies. And now you've got unknown of grief on top of unknown of everything else and how important that predictability is. And I I think back to what you said at the beginning of how you're seeing a lot of kids are like so excited for holiday traditions and they want things to be predictable and routine, things they can count on. And the adults are like, no, thank you. (laughs) So again, adults like working with your kids, like what are these things that you do have the capacity for that can go on that calendar in in a predictable way? And you can get creative and fun and colored in and use stickers and things like that. Yeah, and it can be a lot of different things, and it doesn't have to be big. I think sometimes we we tend to overthink um, what this moment has to be with other people uh, to make it like special in some way. And actually, you know, for kids that they say over and over again is a lot of those special moments are really small moments. You know, um, it's just being heard and seen and enjoying this this time with another person, you know, a parent that they're wanting to connect with, um, a grandparent, siblings. Um, and that can mean everything to them. So it doesn't have to be a big moment. Small moments that are predictable, like you said, are fabulous. Go small, go predictable, go boring. That's our theme for this year's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> holiday and grief podcast episode. <laughs> Right. We have enough excitement in our life, don't we? (laughs) So rounding us out with boring, small and predictable, what, what are you and your family doing this year around the holidays? You know, thinking about having had your dad die when you were 11 and your grandfather die more recently, like, yeah, what's your family doing? 
Right. So time with my brother um, and my mom too, but my brother and I have carved out some special times together with our families during the holidays um, through our adult years, just to be together and remember my dad. And this year we're unable to do that. So one of the things we've done is um, we go Christmas, we go get our Christmas trees together and then have a meal together with our families. And then we also do at another date, Peacock Lane and Chinese food (laughs) together. And Peacock Lane folks, just so people know, Peacock Lane is in Portland, Oregon, and it's this small street and every house on the street does up their lights and it turns into just this slow progression of people walking or people driving or biking to go through. And it's, it's historic. It's been happening for years in Portland. Right. It's historical. Cause when you say it, it kind of is like, what? But no, it is historical. It's momentous. <laughs> um, and yeah, so this year we're doing Chinese food and getting a tree. So trying to blend things that, that remind me of those times when I'm with my brother um, and unable to be with him but being able to do that with just my family. But, you know, when I have the Chinese food and I have the tree that I'm going to go get, um, I'm sure I will, we will, my whole family will share some fun memories of past gatherings with them. We will incorporate all of those things into a, a new, hopefully just once, once, not even a tradition, just a one time. <laughs> the first and only annual. I hope so. But, you know, I'll be ready for another year if I need to be. (laughs) Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on for our new annual tradition of the Holiday and Grief podcast episode. I really appreciate kind of hearing the insights that you've had from families and from kids in the last couple of months and just kind of updating what our, you know, this is not radically new things. It's the same stuff every year, but just wanted to really you know, acknowledge that things are going to be possibly really different for folks this year and just to validate that and to offer some ways to get creative with what has probably already required some creativity around reworking traditions uh, around the holidays and grief. So thank you for all of your input and your insights. You're welcome. And I just, you know, again, I think I want to just acknowledge for people that for some, it's going to be more, feel more isolating and challenging and exhausting, and that's okay. And for others, they're going to find relief and more joy and not having to do the same old, same old. And that's okay, too. And everything in between. Definitely. Thank you for that great reminder of, you know, that the fact that those two things can exist at the same time and they may exist in the same family. There may be some people who are relieved and some people who are really heartbroken. And like, how do we navigate that? Yeah. So listeners out there, I will put in the show notes links to our first two holidays and grief episodes. So if you want to listen back to the full canon, you can do that. And I'll also put a few of our holiday resources that we have on the Dougie Center's website in the show notes too. And you can always reach out to us if you have any questions, you need support, other ideas, you can go to our website, dougy.org. You can email us at help at dougie.org. And you can call us at 503-775-5683. Thanks so much for listening to Grief Out Loud, and we hope you'll join us again next time.